Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Hank McClarty. He is the founder and CEO of Gratis Capital. With more than 20 years of experience in the wealth management industry, Hank is a committed and tenacious advisor to his high net worth clients. He began his professional career at Merrill Lynch before joining Morgan Stanley as a wealth management financial advisor, where in 2004, he was named to Barron's list of the top 100 financial advisors in the United States. Now, Hank is passionate about spending time with his sons and guiding their development into distinguished young men. In his spare time, Hank loves to travel, work out, kiteboard, run and play golf. He just told me he just got back from a ski weekend as well. Uh, he is an active member of Buckhead Church, as well as the Atlanta Athletic Club. You can find his company at gratiscapital.com. That's gratiscapital.com. Hank, thank you for joining us on Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and just take like 60 seconds, fill in the gaps in that intro, would you? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm from, I'm originally from Atlanta. I grew up uh, here and, you know, Atlanta is such a transient city that uh, I'm kind of in the minority of um, growing up and being born here. So um, I went to high school here and uh, was able to t attend Auburn University on a football scholarship. And, um, you know, right after college, I um, started, as you mentioned, with Merrill Lynch, was with Morgan Stanley. During that time, I had my two sons and uh, now they're 22 and 24. Uh, and then in 2005, I left Morgan Stanley and started my own firm, uh, Gratis Capital. And that pretty much leads us up to today. That's awesome. Now, I have a little business experience myself in a more entrepreneurial uh, side of things. And what made you make that shift to go out on your own? What was missing in what you were doing? Um, what did you see a need that could be filled where you could really expand your impact? Well, actually, uh, when I went out on my own, uh, I was pursued by another firm to leave Morgan Stanley. And um, I made a, uh, a poor decision. They offered me a lot of money. And at the time, I was pretty full of myself. They said all the right things to my ego to get me interested in going to this new firm. And um, so I resigned from Morgan Stanley to go join this new firm. And um, 
the new firm never materialized. So I, I mm. resigned from Morgan Stanley. I was getting in my car to drive over to the new firm, which was only about a mile away. And I told them that I just resigned and they said, well, come in tomorrow because they were going to write me a, a very large multi-million dollar check to come join their firm. And they were going to present that check when I showed up and they said, well, come in tomorrow. We're waiting on our next round of funding, which I had no idea that they were waiting on any funding. Mm. And so the funding never materialized and the company went under. And um, so I, um, I actually lost all of my clients and all of my team. They all remained at Morgan Stanley. And um, so I started Gratis Capital and had to basically start all over. Uh, it was a very rough time. It would be um, much more fun to say I had all this insight that I was going to leave corporate America and go start this wonderful new uh, registered investment advisor and kind of uh, pave the way for this new firm going forward. But the reality is, is that I lost everything. I lived in a hotel with my sons for 14 months. Well, let me clarify a motel, not a hotel. <laughs> there is a difference. Yes, there's a very big difference. Um, and so uh, it was an extremely humbling uh, experience, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Although I don't ever want to go through something like that again. Yeah. I've had a similar thing where I've hit rock bottom, partied away all the fortune and uh, had to start over, rebuild. And, uh, you know, it's something when you make it to the top and then you have a fast ride to the bottom. It yeah. really does something to that ego that you were speaking about, doesn't it? Yeah, the ride was much faster to the bottom than it was. <laughs> <laughs> something, something like gravity takes effect. I don't know what it is. Um, absolutely. So let's go back in time just for a minute, just so we could build a little context. Let's go back to childhood and then we'll fast forward to uh, present day uh, back again and then we'll go forward. Okay. So you were raised in a family where there was faith, or there was church, or no, no religion, no denomination. Uh, a little bit of church. You know, my mom became a Christian when I was probably eight or nine years old. And so my dad did not. And so uh, my mom would drag me and my brother to church on Sundays, you know, later on, not, not originally like as a young youngster, but, uh, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, she would drag me and my brother to church. We really didn't enjoy it because my dad disapproved of it. And, you know, we both wanted our dad to be happy and proud of the things we were doing. So it, it definitely created a split in our family. My mom started taking us to church. Mm. What was that like for you as a young boy to see your mom passionate about going to church, her faith, and then your dad kind of disapproving of it? Like, does that tear you down the middle as a boy? Like you have to choose yeah. one or the other? For sure. For sure. And then, um, you know, we were going to a church of God where, you know, they were speaking in tongues and, you know, doing some other things that were, you know, if you hadn't grown up in something like that or, you know, it was just an awkward, odd situation to be in. And um, when I was around 11 or 12, you know, I was trying to grow in my faith. I, I was trying to listen and understand. And, but then uh, the pastor of our church was arrested for stealing money from the church. Mm. Um, and so I honestly started looking at the whole situation like, these people need something to lean on and it's good for them, but I'm, I don't, I don't need this. You know, I don't, it just, it felt, uh, 
it felt fake to me when that happened with the pastor. Um, so I just, uh, between that and my dad not approving of it, uh, I had two things going against it pretty hard as a young man. Yeah, I get that. About what age were you when that happened? I'd say I was probably 12. 12 years 14. old. Yeah. Um, you know, um, then another pastor came in and he had a teenage son that, you know, back then there was no internet, but the teenage son had Playboy magazines. And that just was, that was another instance of, you know, it kind of made my head spin uh, on my on my neck because I just I kept having instances of people that I should have been looking up to or respecting uh, that were, you know, not only leading the kind of life that you would want to look up to, but actually the kind of life you would look down on. And these were leaders in the church that I was uh, a part of. So between that and you know, my dad not being a part of it, um, it just wasn't something that I wanted to pursue. And I looked at it as a situation where people were hypocritical and it just wasn't very attractive to me. Yeah, I get that. You know, so many times, especially nowadays, I think, um, I know I'm in conversations where with non-Catholics, with non-Christians, non-Protestants, just atheists and agnostics. And the number one thing that, or bone they have to pick with Christians is y'all a bunch of hypocrites. You don't practice or live what you preach. Show me one Christian life that's authentic. Like, show me one and I'll follow. Right. Like, that's the challenge back. <laughs> and that, man, can you blame them? You know, let's be honest. We're human and we're broken. And they're like, listen, you struggle with the same stuff as, as we do. We just admit we don't have it all figured out. You all pretend you have it figured out, but that's you don't. That's right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it takes time to realize that if you're judging your faith and if you're judging God based on human beings, it's always going to be a bad look, you know? Mm, that is so well said. And how often do we do that? We try to make God in our image and likeness. Right. We, we bring him down to our level, don't we? And then we judge him based on the humans around us that we see with character defects, flaws, poor decisions. And we're like, well, psh. If God allows that, man, I don't That's want right. any part. That's right. Okay. I get that. So fast forward a little bit, you're 12 years old, and then your young adult life uh, as a teenage uh, young man into your early 20s. Um, was God present in your life at all? Like I get the church thing, you sort of the hypocrisy, you're like, I don't want a part of this. You kind of made an unconscious decision for the rest of your life, I'm guessing, or your young adult life. But did you have a relationship with God? Like, were you still speaking with him or was that never truly formed? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think one of the ways I coped with uh, this whole, you know, it wasn't tragic, but it bothered me the way our family was splitting apart. I didn't like it. Um, I blamed the church and, and faith or religion on the fact that our family wasn't close anymore, even though it clearly wasn't anybody else's fault. It was just the way my family was going, but I chose to blame that. So you know, I dove headfirst into football. I set goals that I wanted to play college football and get a scholarship, which is a little bit ironic in that I didn't even start from a high school team until my senior year. So hmm. I just immersed myself in working out with weights and running and just pursuing this goal. That was kind of my North Star was pursuing this goal. And I just, I um, probably almost in an unhealthy way, uh, just I worked out and ran all the time. I never drank. 
I never, you know, did any drugs. And it wasn't because I was so pure. It was because I didn't want it to screw up my goal. Um, but I did end up, you know, my senior year in high school, I had an amazing season. I did end up getting quite a few scholarship offers. And I ended up, as I said, attending Auburn. So that kind of became a little bit of my focus or my, I guess, replaced some of the faith or some of the things that I went through earlier where I, I really didn't have a good taste in my mouth about it. Mm. Um, but I definitely had time periods where I would, especially like all of us, right? When things were going bad or I needed something to lean on, I would pray, you know, but it wasn't like a daily thing. It wasn't something that I um, leaned on, you know, only, uh, you know, like a lot of people, only when I felt like I was in a bad spot and I needed to pray. So it was kind of a, a convenience type situation rather than a daily walk, I would say. Mm. Thank you. I acknowledge you for being that transparent. I think a lot of us connect with that. That's exactly where we can show up in our faith sometimes is look, finally look up to God when everything is going wrong. Yeah. And, and almost like a genie in the sky, like, God, I screwed up. Look at all the things I messed up. Can you fix it, please? That's right. That's and, right. And, and that's, doesn't always work. Doesn't always work. Does it? No, I, you know, I figured out that if I set goals, I could set ridiculous goals, like, like college football, what have you, that if I worked hard enough that I could pretty much control my destiny. And that's, that made me feel in control and it made me feel like, um, you know, as long as I put the effort into it, that I could figure it out. So when I got out of college, I started with Merrill Lynch and I wasn't very good at it at all, but I outworked everybody. And so then, then I became very successful. Um, you know, when I was 22, I started with Merrill Lynch and said, and I didn't come from any money. So I set a goal when I was 22, that by the time I was 30, I would make a million dollars and by the time I was 30, I was making a million dollars and had a beautiful wife and two baby boys. And I was like, there you go again. You set a ridiculous goal and you can control the outcome. <clears throat> so that led me to that, you know, when I was 34, being ranked one of the top financial advisors in the country, making a lot of money and really started to believe I was the man. Um, I was drinking the, the Hank Kool-Aid, so to speak. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, my wife came to me right before I lost everything. My wife came to me and asked me to read. And we were, we were not very involved with church. Okay. She came to me because our marriage was not going well. And she asked me to read The Purpose Driven Life with her. Mm. And I told her, not only did I tell her no, I said, don't bring up something like that to me about our marriage. And it was because I had seen what happened to my mom and my dad when they brought faith and church into the marriage. Right. So I was so full of myself. I was like, I got, I got the goals. I got the drive. I got the work ethic ethic. I can handle all of this. And she asked me to read that. And I, and I just flat out said no mm. in, uh, in my ignorance. And so, um, and then I made the decision to leave Morgan Stanley all around this time. And, uh, and that's when everything came falling down and my wife and I separated and quickly divorced. And I was living in this hotel with my two sons. And um, that's when uh, I had lunch with a guy that said, who was a strong Christian and he was trying to talk to me. And I mean, I was at, I was the lowest of lows. Mm. <laughs> you can't get any lower than I was. I mean, I was almost bankrupt and living in this hotel and didn't have a business. I hadn't decided to start this company yet. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had child support and alimony and private school tuition due, and I had no income. 
And I went to lunch with this guy and he said, Hey, you know, I, I hear Andy Stanley's doing some pretty neat things uh, over at Buckhead church. You know, maybe you should, maybe you should go in there and check it out. And I was like, I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the last thing I need. Right. So <laughs> just so happened that Andy Stanley's church was right across the street from my gym. And gym, the gym was the one thing that no matter what happened in my life, I would not miss. And yes. so one Sunday morning, I'll never forget. I had on sweatpants and a sweatshirt and I went to the gym to work out. And as I was pulling in the parking lot, I looked across the street and I saw this old grocery store that had been converted into Andy Stanley's church. And so instead of going to the gym, I went to the church um, in my sweats and I walked in and all the lights were off and this amazing band was playing this incredible music. And, uh, you know, everybody was singing and had their hands in the air and it was just a, a great energy. And um, so I stood there and I listened to it. And then um, I stayed for the, for the whole service. And then, um, then I, joined, uh, I joined a small group at the church and uh, pretty quickly thereafter, got baptized. Um, and so mm. that's, that's kind of when my faith got started. But I would say that um, I'm one of those people that needed to be broken really hard uh, for me to look in that direction because I thought I was the man. And um, I remembered a verse, one of the first verses I read in my small group was about, you know, when... Uh, Jesus is talking about the parable of having to, uh, to prune the vine. Um, and yes. I had this vision of me being the vine and having all these uh, crazy uh, limbs coming off the vine. And I was like, I just felt, felt every day like I was getting pruned, like everything was getting taken away down to the core and I was having to be rebuilt, you know? Um, yeah. So anyway, that's a long answer, but that's kind of how that, that whole situation happened. Thank you for that. That's uh, very powerful. I connect in so many ways with that story. Um, the way I see it is the bigger the ego, the more God has to break us. Right. Um, I also was a big break. <laughs> you know, that's why my show is called Broken Catholic. Sometimes we show up broken with God. That's what he calls us to. And other times God uh, interrupts our life and has to break us, our false identity, our ego, our pride, our carrying the weight of our own destiny, so to speak. Um, thank you for going there because I think as young men, especially, there's some women as well, but as young men, yeah, we, we follow what the world says can be ours if we work hard enough and we go for it. And some of us actually get it. But what do we actually get? We right. get the material stuff, but then we lose the people we love. Right? You lost your wife. That wasn't part of your goals. No. You know? I worked very, very hard to build up that business and that reputation and that net worth. And, you know, I lost all of that as well. And then, you know, I thought, okay you know, I'm getting reset here. I'm getting rebuilt, you know, it's going to be okay. And then more negative things happen. You know, my wife, my ex-wife remarried and 
moved about an hour away and you know my kids were everything to me at that point I was coaching all of their sports I was having lunch with them at school three days a week just trying to hang on to some normalcy and just being with them as much as possible and while I was struggling in every other area and then when um, I found out that she was getting remarried and move away um, I was like I, I literally thought I was like I can't take anymore like you've pruned me back enough like I'm done <laughs> mm. um, I, I am at a point where if anything else negative happens to me, I'm not sure I can handle it. Um, you know, and then um, think slowly, very, very slowly, but surely things started to turn. I worked really hard. Um, I named my new company Gratis Capital and I named it that because uh, it's a Latin word for grateful and I, I wanted everything that represented me going forward to be from a grateful humble perspective rather than you know i'm the man uh i got it all going on perspective and yeah. uh, so you know slowly but surely things started getting a little better certainly not aligned straight up uh lots of struggles along the way but you know i would have to say you know to, for the last five years we've been ranked by forbes as one of the top 100 companies in our business of what we do in the country and we've had great success, but, um, you know, my view of it and my approach to it is very, very different than it was before. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that as well. How have you been able to maintain that humility and not let that little control freak of your younger years take over, um, and view all the successes as your own rather than, blessings and favor from God? You know, that hasn't been a struggle. Um, I think partly because, you know, I went from having multiple high-end cars, boats, multiple homes, properties, to uh, living in a hotel for 14 months. And then when I finally got up enough money to afford $2,000 a month rent to move my sons and I out of the hotel, um, I realized that uh, it's not any, any, any shape or form about me. Um, and then starting the company and getting it going, you know, I had constant reminders of you're not the man. <laughs> you know, it was a lot of stuff. <laughs> so I've been fortunate enough to have success and hire brilliant, amazing people on my team. And I tell them all the time that, it, you know, where we are has nothing to do with me. I'm just talented enough to get all of you in the room with me. Like every aspect nice. of our growth, our success, everything comes from, from them and then the plan that's unfolding in front of us and, and faith. And so I have to say staying humble through this process has not been very hard because I just, it, I had it shown and, you know, on a big screen in front of me, you are definitely not the man. And I don't have any problem with that anymore. Plus, I also got, you know, the Latin word for grateful and the Latin word for humility tattooed on my ribs uh, so that I would never forget that. And I have my son's birth dates and Roman numerals above the two. So, you know, my sons were my anchor along with my faith. And then um, and then, the you know, the two words that I think I I live by every day, I try to uh, are grateful and humility. So mm. BC Nation. As you're listening right now to Hank McClarty share his heart, share his own past brokenness and woundedness, his rise to the top, and then his fall to the bottom, 
and then slowly rising again to the top, but with a new heart, a new mind, one that's focused on humility and gratefulness, gratitude, right? That I think that the title for this show is going to be, can Christians control their own destiny? <laughs> I, I don't know. What do you think, Hank, based on your own personal experience? I have my opinion. What do you think? I think human beings, whether Christians or not, have a very few things that they can control, um, you know, their own actions, their behaviors, their attitudes, their judgments. Um, you know, those are things that, um, that I think the principles of that, you know, from everything from the Bible to the Stoics, you know, every aspect of philosophy, meditation, prayer, all of that is stay focused on the things that you can control, which are very few. Uh, events with the market, events with the economy, events with the weather, events with other people and their actions are all things that, um, that if you attempt to control them, then you're just going to be met with a life of frustration because you absolutely can't. Well said. And chronic disappointment. Chronic disappointment. That was like the last, I don't know, 20 years of my life. Yeah. All right. So Hank, uh, we're speaking with Hank McClarty. He is the uh, founder and CEO of Gratis Capital. You can find him at gratiscapital.com. And he's sharing his heart right now. Hank, where do you still struggle um, to cooperate with God's plan for your life? Um, I, I struggle with sometimes, you know, still control, uh, thinking that it's all up to me. I struggle sometimes with my daily walk. I mean, sometimes my faith is much stronger than others. Um, I feel like right now, uh, you know, I have a group of eight men uh, that we get together every month for four or five hours. And, you know, we talk about accountability, our children, um, relationships, you know, being a better uh, CEO, being a better father, a husband, you know, whatever it is. And we hold each other accountable. We share our goals. So that that is a very, very strong part of my life. And um, not everybody in that group is a Christian, but most of them are. Um, and so I see that becoming a much more prominent area in our group even though it didn't start that way as the core, like faith was not the core part of this group. It was accountability, goals, things of that nature. I see it emerging as a, as a focus point within the group. Um, and so I just see it becoming, um, my faith is kind of up and down, I guess, you know, being you know transparent about it. My faith is strong sometimes and sometimes it's not. Sometimes I take credibility for things that are going well in my life and sometimes I, give credit to God, but I'm not always consistent with that. And, mm. you know, it bothers me uh, sometimes, but I, um, I do definitely see areas in my life where God is showing up. And uh, I think more with respect to when my faith is low, things seem to happen. Um, somebody asked me for some help or asked me to pray with them or something that just kind of gets me back on track with, this is where it all started when I lost everything. And I just feel like uh, there's a lot of patience and grace with God in that um, I'm not at all like a really, what you would say, a very disciplined Christian. You know, I, I don't walk the walk perfect all the time by any means. 
But at the same time, I feel like I get nudges all the time from him kind of knocking me back left or right, kind of back on track a little bit. And that's pretty amazing considering I'm not what I would think of as a really solid, strong Christian that he would be spending all his time with, you know? And so sometimes it's, uh, it's very humbling to, to talk about or to even think about. He seems to always be there nudging me regardless of what I'm doing. Mm, so powerful. God, the father is absolutely fascinated with his children. The same way, Hank, I suspect that you look at your own boys as they were growing up and you wanted to spend every moment with them. That's how God the Father looks at you, brother. You know, and it's hard to believe, isn't it? Because we look at, we see our own brokenness in the mirror and we're like, why would he want to spend that much time with me? There's people that are so much better than me. But yet he chooses each of us as his own. So bless, uh, praise God for that. Uh, so Hank, welcome to my favorite part of the show. We'll wrap up on this. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? I, I think so. I'm not sure. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what is your favorite thing about God? Grace. What is your least favorite thing about God? Implied judgment. <laughs> Implied judgment. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Um, not living up to my potential. Yeah. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? My faith. Your faith. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Worrying. About what specifically? Well, my greatest fear was not living up to my potential. So I'm always evaluating things as to whether I am, I'm pretty hard on myself. So I'm constantly evaluating, am I doing the best I can do? So I worry about that. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Can they be trusted? <laughs> I hear that one. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he's completely independent of human behavior. Yeah, thank God for that, right? What is a new habit you want to create in your life? More uh, regular prayer. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Relying on me. Wow. Self-reliance versus God-reliance, BC Nation. That's the great human struggle. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Well, two natural ones would be grateful and humble. <laughs> yes. Um, passionate. Passionate. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were before God broke you and broke your ego. Uh, egotistical, proud. Uh, independent. Got it. And last question. If you could come back to life after you died, look your sons in the eye, your family, your friends, and give them only one piece of advice about everything. What would you say to them? 
<laughs> no prep on this one, huh? Um, I would say, uh, oh man. Take your time. It's an important question. I think your dog may have an answer. Apparently she does. Um, you know, I would say um, if I had known up until now that God had a plan for me and I could rely on that, then the amount of time that I spent with anxiety and worry would have been a fraction of what it was and worry and anxiety is one of the things that makes that takes away from the enjoyment of life and i think that that would be an amazing thing to do to be able to rely on there's a plan it's not up to me and um, i just need to execute and do the best i can and the rest of it's going to fall into place if that was something that you could sit back and really know and believe the amount of anxiety and stress and worry that it would remove from life would make life so much more enjoyable. What would it be worth to you? This is a bonus question. What would it be worth to you to have that certainty in God's plan for you? Come on, you're, you got the, the money, you got the success, you got the things. What would it actually be worth to you to have that certainty? I don't think you can apply a dollar figure to that. I mean, it should, that would change the way, I mean, for me personally, or people in general, it would change the way that everyone approaches every aspect of life. If they knew that all they had to do was show up every day and do their best with whatever talents and gifts they've been given and the rest was already laid out for them. It, it would be a very free, um, passionate world. Yes. And a fantastic life. Yeah. worth living. Right. For sure. Now, you know what I specialize in <laughs> getting people that exactly. So any final wisdom, what's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God and really trusting his plan for them versus not. I think, you know, I, I kind of said it a, just a second ago, when you asked me the advice that I would come back and tell my kids, I would just say that in everything that I've experienced in my life, I know that when I have shown up and given my all with whatever, whatever few talents and gifts that I, that God gave me, when I have shown up and given it my all, good things have happened. Sometimes mm -hmm. bad things happen that have nothing to do with your, the things that you can control, but yeah. um, that when you show up with a good attitude and do everything you can with whatever God's given you, that, you know, that usually things turn out pretty well. Mm, so good. And what is the best way for a BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose? Uh, the best way is through our website, uh, www.gratuscapital.com. Gratuscapital.com, BC Nation. Have you enjoyed your conversation with Hank McClarty as much as I did? I hope so. Share this episode. Share it powerfully. He showed up powerfully. He gave his heart. He showed up with humility. He showed up with gratitude. 
and he showed up with, he doesn't have it all figured out. Neither do you, neither do I. That's why we need a savior and we're not him for all us little control freaks out there. We are not him. Hank McClarty, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. BC Nation, did you know that depression is spreading 100 times faster than COVID right now? And suicide rates are higher than ever? Listen, God's healing power is available to all his children, but no one is teaching people how to access it. But I am. Broken Catholic is now giving talks across the country and across the world. My message is the freedom that Protestants and Catholics have been waiting for. If you want me to come speak to your Christian community in person or via Zoom, visit brokencatholic.net to learn more. That's brokencatholic.net.